from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of School for Startups Radio, it's Friday, December 1st. We have an amazing, cram-packed show for you. Two amazing entrepreneurial stories. First up, Brian Davis. Imagine a camera on your luggage so you can find your luggage and the people who maybe stole your luggage. Boy, it's an impressive story. That is up first. And then Michelle Vandepass owns a publishing company and wants to get you published. And again, Boy, is she impressive. So, so cool. I can't wait for you to meet her. It's a great show. I appreciate you being with us, and we're going to get started right now. Wow, we are here. Can you believe it's already December? Beginning, I guess, of one of the busy travel seasons. I hope you're going to see some loved ones over the holidays, and probably the chances are pretty good you're going to lose your luggage. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a way to not lose your luggage, or if you did, to be able to know where it was and not only know where it was, but see who had it and be able to do something accordingly. 76,000 bags are lost every day. The new solution is presented by our guest today. His name is Brian Davis. He is the founder and entrepreneur behind Package Inc. They have a new product called Luggage cam. And I do believe that it actually involves a camera on your luggage. I will double check that. They have a WeFunder campaign going right now. If you want to be a part of it and maybe even get one of these, we'll see if they have uh, that kind of fundraising. Brian, welcome. How you doing? Terrific. Thank you for having me. How'd I do on the intro? Did I, is it a camera on my luggage? It is an abs- it's a smart it's a smart camera and security system for your luggage. All right, and I'm on the website and it's uh let's make sure we give that out uh package.inc i n c great url. Do you have to pay for that extra or We did. Okay. Yeah. Can you let us know how much roughly so that we'll just know how much hours may cost if we decide to do tires.wheels? Oh, you mean like a, like an ongoing cost? No, it's just the annual cost. It's just a, a slightly more expensive domain. Okay, but you didn't pay $10,000 for it or something. We did not pay $10,000 for it. Thank okay. goodness. All right, yeah. Well, I had to buy jimbeach.com. And, oh, I uh, you had to buy luggagecam.com and all the other ones for it, which were very expensive. So okay. that we owned the, the domains for all of our products as well. So, okay. yes. You did. All right, so spend some money there too. Anyway, back to the original thing. I'm on the website right now and it looks like a really not a big it looks like a thick Fitbit for your luggage that goes around the handle of the luggage. Is that a fair description? It is. It the the, the luggage cam system uh is a smart lock. It's basically it securely locks onto your luggage handle turning any travel bag into a smart bag. Uh, so it, it essentially enables real-time video streaming, motion shock, and tamper monitoring, mobile alerts, and alarm. And it really, it, it's an end-to-end security solution for your luggage, for both for airlines and for travelers. Battery life how long? Uh, we're actually introducing a dual power system. So some of the functionalities can go for a whole year. Other ones will need to be recharged on probably a bi-weekly basis. Okay, but if your luggage is lost, weekly is more than well, enough. Well, yeah. yeah, exactly. And we're, we're, it's a very cool system that will uh, really extend battery life. It'll, it assigns certain functions like like video streaming to the rechargeable, other ones to the longer term. So basically, it really means that this is a, a true end-to-end solution that isn't going to die on you. You'll be able to track and secure your luggage at all times. All right. And the camera is... Kind of like a, a doorbell camera, right? 
yes, it was gonna, we have a multi-camera array captures pretty much surround view uh, from the, the, the luggage perspective. And what that does is it means that you're not, it's, we're much more than just a dot on a map. So existing tracking devices are basically just a dot on a map that only the traveler can see, which really doesn't solve the problem for the airlines because they can't see it and it doesn't provide any security. What we're building is a true end-to-end -end solution that provides real-time video, motion shock and tamper monitoring. It'll, it, it, you'll be able to have on luggage alerts. We're introducing a new product called SmartTag that actually allows for real-time on luggage alerts such as flight status, gate changes, travel, you know, uh, baggage handling instructions so that you really, we're not only solving the problem for the traveler, but for the airlines as well. So it's a real comprehensive solution for the entire industry. Let's reinforce that last point and say it in cl clear, uh, clear, dumb English for people like me. The thing that looks like a Fitbit also has a tag on it. That's got all your information for that flight. That's right. Damn, that's man. That's cool as hell, Brian. Yes, it's really amazing. We really are solving this problem on, on a full level, on a comprehensive level, not just for travelers, but for airlines. And we're going to be introducing a, uh, a leasing program and a revenue sharing program for airlines that introduces a whole new profit model for the airlines since about 55% of passengers check their luggage that's a, a, a literally a, almost half a billion dollars in new revenue per airline per year and at a time when a lot of their costs costs are getting cut this introduces a whole new value proposition that they're able to provide both for the airlines and for the passengers wow that's impressive very cool does the little tag have a barcode on it that's the same it as does. yes it, wow. it has so it'll be working both with traditional tracking methods. It'll have RFID. We're, we're going to be working with, with the existing so that the airlines don't have to do anything to upgrade their systems. We can plug right into their, their existing tracking pro process. It just expands the security, expands the functionality of the services radically. Uh, sorry for the, uh, the noise in the background. But yeah, you're about to get busted, Brian? Yes. I, 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 I didn't bring my security device with me today. So that's <laughs> Uh, I'm impressed. This is a, a really cool solution. When I heard about the interview, I was like, oh, an air tag for luggage. Who cares? And then I read some of the stuff and now I'm talking to you and hearing the whole thing. Now I'm blown away. Impressed. What's the price point? Well, they're going to be a wider, we're not giving that out quite yet, but there's going to be a wide array of prices because we're building essentially a whole ecosystem. So there'll be lower end models, higher end models with different functionality. So people can choose the, the product that best fits their needs and then they can, or they can just lease the, the product directly from their airline, which will be, you know, in the, in the 15 to $25 range, whether they're doing a single flight or round trip basis, but we're, we're going to be providing a wider range, a wide array of options for, uh, for passengers, for travelers, uh, and with, with many, many different options to, for their, for their needs. All right. My customer research says one ninety nine for the Fitbit and two ninety nine for the Fitbit with tag. That's what I think. I think you're you're. It sounds very accurate. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. I, I, it was some good research there. Well, I, I didn't research. I just totally guessed. Uh, oh, you just guessed. Oh, even better because we 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 yeah we haven't been publicizing it. But yes, it depends on how on that's what, what function. I think's fair. That's to me what yes. I would say is fair. That's exactly right. And so you can either purchase it directly, which means you really own your security for your luggage and at all times, or you can lease it. But either way, there'll be many many different pricing options for our customers. Tell us about the campaign to raise some money, and is it all, is it for equity or for merchandise? It's for equity and merchandise. So they are wow. getting for, yes, if they hit different milestones, they will actually get their, the first, the first generation of products they'll be. So they'll be able to, as long as they're hitting specific milestones in our fundraising, but they're most importantly, uh, we're packaging is a game changer for travel security. And we are really allowing the public to own a stake in the future of luggage tracking and travel security. So they will be getting equity in our company and we're building a huge portfolio of products, uh, and services. All right. And today is December 1st, right? How much longer is the campaign running? I want to make sure we're still in the zone. We are still very much in the zone okay. and 
welcome you to be a part of it. We'll, we should be alive for at least another couple of months. But the, we, but we will be. But as but as soon as we hit our max, we will be closing because we're also going to be uh, raising a much larger round with institutional investors. So we, we, the, now is the time to come in. Yes, and a little bit uh, about your background. I think you're the guy that reinvented the wheel, from what I remember. What the hell does uh, that mean? I was. I was. I basically the first product that research. Ever, that, that was actual research. That should impress well, you on that. Well, one. It was the first product that I ever designed. It was a video wheel for vehicles, and it was actually a system that that displayed a stationary or, or moving image on, on the wheel of a car. And that technology, although way ahead of its time and, you know, a pretty, pretty costly for its, for that opportunity actually led to the development of many, many other projects that actually led to where we are today from security to display to real time video. And it was, so it was the foundation for many, many things that we're building today. All right. It does. And so when I asked the, standard question the obvious question where'd you get the idea for the luggage cam it sounds like a one of those uh evolving ideas maybe it came over time or was there one single light bulb moment when it was it we are we're built package inc is building a whole product ecosystem from package tracking and security luggage tracking bike vehicle so by investing in package inc you're really getting a stake in an entire ecosystem. But our main focus right now is luggage cam because we really see the the need, and we and by meeting this need, it allows us to grow exponentially. And so we're this this is really foundational for us, and we're we're really excited to share this opportunity to have this be something that everybody can be a part of because that's how we work. Everybody on our team, all of our corporate partners have an equity stake in our company, are all invested in our development and growth, and so we're we're really excited to make this available to everyone. Have you gone to institutional already? Like. UPS. I I live a half mile from the world headquarters of UPS, and the guy that runs their equity fund has been on this show before. So, okay, yeah. So, uh, have you looked at institutional money like that? We are. We're actually. We have. We already have one partner in the space, and we're about to 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 expand that considerably. So, we're absolutely now preparing for a large institutional round, so that we can make this a solution, a global solution. Okay. If you need introductions at UPS, we can help you there. We would love that. That would be perfect because that's really right along our line in terms of our logistics security. Yes. Well, they love anything that involves the word package, you know, so and they want that's to like, invest. That's what they're there for. That's what, you know, the yes. that institutional office is there for. So, and we will be bringing them considerable new value and services for their customers and for their, for their company. So yes, we're, we're really, that'd be terrific. Uh, I will get you that. All right. So has the, well, the, we've established the idea kind of as an ongoing evolving thing. What about the money? Is this a, uh, a brand new fundraise totally, or is there some old money in this to get you to this, this point? Well, we, we, we raised all from our private investment from our own network to get here, but this is a totally new round to help us to bring our first product portfolio to market and to get ready for a full market launch and really to help drive this whole process. So this is a, a totally new round. How big a team? Uh, we have about 12 team members. We have a lot more corporate partners in, in terms of our ecosystem. So we have a full design and engineering team that are equity partners. They're a company that's partnered with us. We have a legal IP team. Every one of them is essentially a stakeholder in our portfolio. Uh, that shows how vested they are, and that will play well for the VC rounds and stuff. Uh and so you actually have to make something. Where is what? Is, what's the damn thing called, Brian? The luggage cam. Uh, I keep thinking of Fitbit. Do we call it luggage cam? Well, luggage cam is the whole product ecosystem. Smart Clip is the Smart unit. Clip. Okay. The the hub. It's, it attaches to the luggage. Uh, the luggage handle, the smart tag is the digital, the smart digital luggage tag that attaches to the smart clip. And we also have a smart lock, which is a zipper locking system. I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people have had an issue of, of being concerned about somebody opening their luggage or unlocking their luggage without permission. This 
is a system that provides physical security and alerts people whenever your luggage is unlocked, opened, either by an authorized or not unauthorized party with real-time security. So we're, we're really solving the problem comprehensively, both in terms of tracking, monitoring, real-time on-luggage alerts for the airlines, as well as physical security. All right. Very cool. And I forgot the question I was going with there. It was a good question. It I'm was sure. a damn good question, but I don't remember it now. Oh yeah. Where are you making it? Oh, you see, I have to, you have to make something. You need software and hardware. So that's yes. sort of a disadvantage in the VC world. Where's the hardware come from? Well, we're, we're, we have a full engineering team to build the hardware. So we, we that's already in place. And, and I, we don't see it really as a disadvantage because we're looking at we're, we're, you know, it's, it, we're, not, we're looking at both leasing as well as sales, which means that there'll be many, many, many uses of our, of, our, of our hardware as well as the software. And we're building both an enterprise solution that will plug directly in with the airlines and allow them to track and monitor real time on all their luggage and allows consumers to do the same thing with a, a fantastic mobile app that they'll be able to use at all times. So it's, it's really, we see it as being a really a great way to really own the space. Oh, I don't deny that you will. I, I hope take over. Uh, this is a, a promise I get everyone to make, Brian. When you go public, will you invite me and commit now to do yeah. that to stand on the podium with you? I don't want to be oh, I, close to you to obscure the picture. That's everyone. Else. Okay. I just want to be in the room at the edge on the furthest possible like edge. You mean just put you in front of me and just say this is the reason why we succeeded? No, 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 no. I just want to be on the edge. Oh, I don't I don't want I any acclaim or anything. I just want to be there to enjoy it with you. I have absolutely no issue with that. In fact, that I'm sure that will make the whole thing a success. Why why would I why would I do anything to get in the way of that? Well, thank you. I don't want to I don't want any acclaim. I'm serious. I, I don't <laughs> I'll watch you have fun and go dingity 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 dingity. Oh, that'd be fabulous. That'd be fabulous. I mean, PKG that'd be great. coming on the pike. PKG. Uh, That's right. And is That's that right. the goal? Is the IPO the goal? Yes, we are. We have a huge vision for our company, and we're we're really really excited to be on this path. And we we're you know we're really excited to be able to share this with you today, and to be able to open this up for everyone to be able to participate and support our journey. Okay. The tamper product. Tell me a little bit more about that. How does it know that it's being opened versus simply going on a conveyor belt and hitting up against the side again and again and again? Right. So the the smart lock, which is the smart zipper locking system, actually physically locks the zipper into a into a, a smart tracking or a locking device. And what that means is, is that if any, you know, it'll obviously have a TSA key and a and a combo lock as well, but it introduces biometrics so that you can essentially identify who's opening your luggage to make sure that they're an authorized person. And then that way you're alerted. And if it's an unauthorized person, there's an alarm, there's real-time security, you can alert the airline. The point is, is that it provides a physical security lock for your, for your luggage so that if anyone tries to open it, you have real-time alerts and, and, and security to be able to prevent it. That's equally impressive. That's a, a separate product, right? Separate product. Ninety nine yes. bucks. <laughs> uh, probably a little bit more than that, but okay. yes, it, that one's because that one has you know, a, has a lot all of the connectivity, though. So yeah, yeah. yeah but the, but it but it definitely is going to be that that's going to be the next one on the list for everybody to be able to be a part of. Yes. All right, the new airline money stream. That to me seems like. That could be the sexiest part of the whole story. Honestly, it is uh, because what we're doing is we're really providing a model by which airlines can profit, can benefit, can provide a whole new type of service. We're introducing uh, a new insurance product called track and, uh, package insurer or luggage insurer that allows uh, travelers to have end-to-end -end insurance coverage. And it provides the airlines with the ability to essentially provide value beyond just the flight. So if you're, if you're allowing your, your passengers to lease and have end-to-end -end 
security, not just on the flight, but throughout their whole trip, then you're extending the value to your passengers. You're extending the value to your customers beyond your normal services. And it also introduces a whole new revenue stream for the airlines. So it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be very exciting to be working with them. Well, that introduces a whole new possibility to have premium luggage. That's right. Yes. Ooh, I like the idea of premium luggage because the worst part of, well, not the worst, there's so many bad. One of the worst parts of flying right now is the fighting over the uh, overhead space, you know? Exactly. So if you make about 55% of passengers check in their luggage, but it's, it's lowering because there's such an issue with, with which luggage loss and luggage theft. And so by improving that process and actually making it better then you ha- then you you lower the people who have to be lugging their luggage along on the plane with them instead you want to be able to do it because you're adding additional security to that process so yes it, it lower it speeds up the process it improves their all their handling with our smart tag system we're really empowering the airlines to have real-time information so that if a flight changes, if a gate changes, you'll actually be able to see it on the luggage itself. And so baggage handlers will know when to move, when to change where a baggage is going, when to move it to somewhere so that they, you have real-time alerts, which really improves the entire process for the airline. Back in the 70s, Brian, my family was members of a travel club based out of Atlanta called the Skylarks. And it was the coolest thing ever. You got a magazine every month with all of the trips. They were usually Thursday morning to Sunday nights. You only had to take off two days of work. And you would go to Montreal for the weekend for the festival in Montreal. And one of the coolest things was you would actually pull into the uh, cargo area of the airport. So totally away from all the hustle and bustle and they would valet your car and you would walk into a cargo terminal and the plane was indoors in the hangar and they had buffet tables around the base and everything. And you gave your luggage right there as you, you know, gave your car. The next time you saw your luggage was in your hotel room in Montreal. And it was just the greatest club. We went all around the world with them. They had mystery trips where you didn't know where you were going until you landed. And the same people went every week. It was just fun as hell. Until they wrecked the airplane and killed everybody. And I'm being a hundred (laughs) percent serious. That's not a joke. This is all a true story. And so anyway, you have the possibility to recreate that. I, I would pay, I'd pay $2.99, maybe not $2.99, $1.99 to drop off my luggage and then have it appear in my hotel room at the Sheraton. And you have the ability to do that. Yes, we have the ability. We're, there are many, many other services that we're going to be expanding into. But what this does is it provides the foundational hub to support everybody who's involved in the, in the supply chain and really having a vested interest in a stake and be able to, to re- have real-time uh, information and real-time tracking and data so that they're able to, imp- we're empowering them to be able to provide those kind of services. And, and then we will be, so this is really just the beginning. And it really, and, and, we're, and honestly, it's the beginning in terms of our own product portfolio because we have uh, three other portfolios in development, one for luggage, one for bike and vehicle security. And so this wow. is, really is the beginning of a incredible uh product ecosystem that will really support personal security in a way that really doesn't exist give us the two uh urls we need package.inc and the we funder and we funder forward slash package inc fantastic brian any way else you want us to follow you on the gram or Anything else? Um, yeah, definitely. Please, please uh, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook. I'm sure we'll be introducing more soon. But yes, we'd love we'd love to have you as part of our network. Amazing, Brian. We'll be uh, watching the story. And thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. It was fun. Thank you so much. And we'll be back in just a second to talk about publishing with Michelle Vandepass. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful question, actually, Jim. Oh, my gosh. I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question. That's a great question, and, and I don't have a great answer. That's a great question. Oh, that is such a loaded question. And that's actually a really good question. School.
Global for Startups Radio. We are back and again. Thank you so very much for being with us. Very excited to introduce another great entrepreneur. Please welcome Michelle Vandepass to the show. She is the founder of Grace Point Publishing, has helped thousands of people get published and write books. And I think that Grace Point has worked with about 150 different authors. Michelle has several best-selling and award-winning books herself. Michelle, welcome. How are you doing today? Yay! I am so excited to be here. Thank you. It is our pleasure. All right. You also are a very active speaker. You've done the TED thing, and you have some really interesting topics that you uh, speak about. I was looking at your website, and that's michellevandepass.com, everybody. What's your shtick, Michelle? What are you all about? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it, it, for people that sort of follow me, think I'm sometimes doing a lot of different things. But actually, everything comes down to if you're living on purpose, have a message, uh, follow your mission, then I can help you get there. So that could be through entrepreneurships. Uh, booking, speaking, uh, booking books, speaking, publishing, all those various things. All right. And on purpose, yeah. what does that mean? Well, it means that when you wake up in the morning, you got a reason for getting out of bed. And that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. It rarely has anything to do with your job. So you can be on purpose and not even have a job. You can be in the wrong job and still be on purpose, right? People people kind of mix those things up. But you got to have some kind of reason for getting up in the morning. And we all have it. It's just we're not all connected to it. It could be something like teaching, motivating, connecting with others, uh, helping the animals, being passionate about something like recycling it could be any kinds of things but it's usually something about how you share your heart with the world how you give back how you like to show up around other people or animals and is that the same thing as passion well i don't think so but that's a good question because some people think it is i think we choose our passions because passions can come and go like right now I'm passionate about ballroom dancing, but I hasn't, haven't always been. And that has nothing to do with my work or my purpose. I'm sometimes passionate about music or certain artists or uh, gardening, whatever, but our purpose. So for me, I love to teach and motivate and, and help others. And so that never goes away, no matter what I'm doing, right? No matter where I am in life, no matter what job I have, no matter who I'm talking with, I like to teach and, and motivate others. So that's what I would say is my purpose. And part of what I do is help other people uncover theirs and then go live that in the world, right? It's the next step. But it is different than just our job or our passions that I think come and go and we choose. All right. Uh, I love the idea that just pointing out that passions come and go because I've had a lot of passions that I don't care about anymore. You know? <laughs> right? right. Well, you know, and yeah. that's part of the thesis of this show, Michelle, is that passion is not a good thing to base entrepreneurship on. Uh, there are better Ooh, things. I, yeah, I like that. Uh, because, well, here's my, my shtick, Michelle. I can't wait to get your thoughts on this. I don't care about what you're selling. Uh, a lot of people want to be an entrepreneur, but they don't know what to do, and they get stuck up on the thing, the product. I've sold purses and leather jackets and furniture and bunches of stuff that I don't care about. I've sold bunches of products that I would never put in my own house or use myself. <laughs> right? But I still right? sold them. Yeah. I was passionate about making money. Making money for yep. me and not you. Working for me and not you. I was passionate about just being an entrepreneur and that's enough for me. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I think... So there's a lot in that, right? There's so much in that. And what I heard you say at the very beginning is passions come and go, and you're not always passionate about everything that you used to be passionate about. A couple of things. 
if you're passionate about making money, most people have a reason underneath that. Like, what was the reason underneath that why you wanted to go make money? Was it to get yourself out of poverty? Was it to help your family? Was it just because you wanted to buy a Lamborghini? Like, what is the reason for the money? Because it's not just the money. It's to have a better life. All of those are great reasons. I liked all of them. Right? Right. And so that's more what's underneath that. And that's what keeps you going, right? That's, those are the reasons that keep us all going in life. And I think with entrepreneurship, because you, you put so many different things in that little thing you called your stick, right? Um, with entrepreneurship, I think there's some people who are entrepreneurs. They, they are kind of born with an entrepreneurial gene. They like to go take risks, be creative, make money, create something out of nothing. And that's not necessarily the same thing as having a small business, which is I'm a great service provider. I have the neighborhood store. Um, I change tires for a living, and that's my own business, right? They're two different mindsets, and one isn't better than the other. They're just different. And what I'm suggesting is you have to bring purpose and, of course, passion, right, to whatever your business is and make sure that you're in it for the reasons that will sustain you over the long haul because otherwise you will get discouraged, flip from thing to thing, presume you're not good enough, give yourself bad negative talk, nobody bought from me this month, I'm out of here, I got to change my offer, I got to go sell something new, right? And I'm saying it's that per that purpose underneath that keeps us going and sustaining. What is conscious entrepreneurship? Well, I think that's everything I just talked about. It's being conscious about why you're doing what you're doing, who you're here to serve. Um, and there's nothing wrong with saying I'm here to support my family, right? Some people have different aspirations than that. But if you're here to make money so that you can raise your family, that's that's a great reason, right? But it's whatever your reason is that's being conscious. And I think there's also something about being really connected with your client, your customer, your future customers, so you're serving them, um, not at the expense of your business. I'm not saying you give away the farm. I'm not saying you don't have good boundaries. But you're making sure that you are finding the people that need what you have, that want what you have, and selling to those people because you'll never run out of those people as long as you focus on how you can help them. All right. I love it. Well said. Tell us about Grace Point Publishing and the type of people you work with there, the type of books you're putting out. Yeah, so we put out any kind of book. It's pretty general. I like to say we put out books that help humanity. That means a lot of things. Um, I don't, you know, publish books that have to do with stockpiling ammo or any of those kinds of things. Um, we're, oh, well, interview we're, over. Uh, interview over. <laughs> That's the limit. You push the wrong button. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, Michelle, and, let me interrupt you and tell a story real yeah. fast. I, I have to just tell this story. Yeah, I had a good please. radio friend, and he was on the phone and texting, and I could tell that he was distracted. And I was like, Alan, what's up? What are you distracted by? And he's like, well, they are delivering my stockpile of food at the house right now. He had bought two years of food, and they were delivering it right then. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Now I know where to, you know, where to go if there's a catastrophe or a disaster. I, I'll show up at your house. And he was like, yeah, no problem. I had the ammo delivered last week. Uh, there you go, right? Right? Uh, yeah. So he was very prepared to kill me if I came trying to get any of his food. Uh, right. But anyway, and I interrupted you. I'm very sorry. Back to you. No. no. Well, that's part of the conversation because I'm not suggesting that... I have nothing to say about that person and their journey and whether that's good or bad and I'm not political and, you know, in that way. What I'm saying is I wouldn't publish a book because I don't find that inspiring. He may find it inspiring. Someone else will publish that book, right? But I like to publish books that help other people do better, be better, and serve 
the planet, the world, humanity in some way. And that sounds pretty altruistic, but we've done pretty well. We published 150 books that do that. I have personally helped thousands of other authors and group programs and speeches and training programs and all kinds of things, publish any kind of book they want. But through my personal publishing company, uh, it needs to be aligned with grace, and that's where the grace comes from in Grace Point Publishing. I like that. I like that. I actually have a daughter named Grace, I think. I think. Oh, you think? I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm not 100% sure, but... 94% sure. Okay, there's a story there you got to share. What, why I'm only 94% sure? <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a lot of children, and, and I have a bad Okay. Memory, so. Okay, all right. And I'm not sure what the awesome. final decision was on some of them. I found out that I had named two children William, but I didn't realize that for about five years. Whoa, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, so anyway. All right. I love it. Uh, what's the process? How do we get our book published? What are you looking for? Is it the same gauntlet as going to McGraw-Hill or Wiley or somebody like that? Yeah, not really. So publishing has changed a lot in the world and since COVID. Really, it's been changing, you know, it's been changing a lot anyway, but the big publishers, McGraw-Hill, Wiley, Random House, all of those, they really just take a small fraction. 1% of manuscripts submitted even get looked at there, and they're looking for people who've published before or already have a track record, and so it's that chicken and the egg thing. How do you get started? It's like, how do you get started speaking if you've never spoken? And I help the people that aren't at that level to get started. So we're going to work together and either we're going to help you write your book, hold you accountable to write your book, ghostwrite your book, publish your book, and get your book out there and marketed so that you feel you're living whatever your next step is, right? So nonfiction authors, I only work with nonfiction authors, that's, that's my people. And I have a website called theauthorpath.com, and you get a free checklist and a free masterclass and all the free stuff that goes along with signing up and follow me, right? And it's a real simple process because most people just get an overwhelm. They're like, yes, I want to write a book. I think it'd be super cool to write a book. I don't know where to start. My writing sucks. I don't know how to get stuff out of my head onto paper. Do I even need to do it? Why should I do it? And that's where I start to helping people get over that hump. So if they do publish and when they're successful, they could either stay with me, self-publish, or go to Random House if they chose. Just a quick side thought. How come, no matter how good the ghostwriter is, I would rather read your words poorly written than your words interpreted through a ghostwriter well-written. So I would say that if you work with a professional company like us or work with someone like me, your words are not going to be poorly written by the time they hit the page. So what I would suggest is that you write your poor words and then you work with someone to polish them to make them great words. A ghostwriter, if they're doing their job correctly, is interviewing you, uh, maybe putting it all on audio, transcribing it, and still using your words if it's done correctly. Lots of ghostwriters out there don't do that, but really when you get a good match for a ghostwriter, it is your words either way. It's just one's doing the physical work of turning it into comprehensive sentences and chapters, and if you're doing it yourself, you're going to write it best you can and then work with an editor to polish it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. And I love your idea of recording. I yeah. I know so many people who are better speakers than writers, and I tell them, just record, sit down and record in the car, use your iPhone and record yourself for an hour, and then get there you transcribed, go. and then you're 80% there. There you go. Now, you still got to polish it, right? But... Um, all of that's in the after. The hardest part is really getting that first hour. It's it's like a painter who looks at a blank canvas or 
someone learning to dance for the first time and you're just kind of up on the dance floor with like deer in the headlights look. You just don't know how to get started usually. Once you get the first little bit of something under your belt, some small wins, as I like to say, then you can get that ball rolling. It's 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 just like you said, get that first hour down on audio if it's the way that gets you started. Well, I think audio is a lot easier for some people. Some people sit down yep. with a legal pad and can go. I can't do yep, that. Absolutely. And so, so obviously, you're a podcaster. You're a podcaster. So, yeah, you're going to be audio first. Yep. And I just, I'll share this with you. Uh, I had one book, my first book published by McGraw Hill. Michelle. Excellent. Good for you. How we, long ago? Uh, 11 years ago. We, I there said you go. Yep. one page, about a half page proposal, and I had a contract yep. in a week. And that was the only wow. proposal I sent out. I sent one proposal in one week and had one contract. Wow, that's fantastic. That's Good rare, isn't it? All right, it? so now it's very, very rare. Now I got to go find, I got to go find your book now. Is it up on Amazon? Yeah, um, under Jim Beach and Chris Hanks was my co-author and we have 140 reviews and it's still excellent. So, uh, it got up to number nine on Amazon and not number nine in its category, Michelle, number nine on Amazon. And and what's Chris's last name? What's Chris's last name? Hanks. Thanks. All right. See, now this is this is like live podcasting. I'm looking it up as we go. Very cool. I see it here. School for startups. Yep. Same as the show. The show was named after it. Okay. Well, that makes total. Oh, look at that. Super cool. Congratulations. Number one. Guaranteeing small business. Oh, I love that. Congratulations. You did really well. You got good ratings. Oh, you got to. So if you if McGraw doesn't own your audio rights, let's talk and let's get your audio book up. Uh, I think they do. And so I'm going to rewrite. I actually have 95% done with rewriting a new book. And uh, I'm just going to, it's basically the same book, but I want to own it. You're right. Because what about with Grace Point? Who owns the material with Grace Point? You've made a great point. You sell your work to McGraw-Hill and they own it. And thought leaders can get in trouble with that. Well, let's be clear about that. You sell the rights. Uh, I like to put it in language that kind of works for most people. Think about it as licensing because you still own the copyright of everything that you've done. As soon as your contract's over, it all reverts back to you. And you can take your concepts, your intellectual property, rewrite it. You still own all of that. The difference is... Just for, it's not legal terms, but for simplicity's sake, you have licensed them the rights to publish. And so you can't go publish anywhere else. Okay, that just makes it easy for most people to understand. But you could, you can't take this cover, you can't take this title and go republish your content. But your intellectual property is yours and you own it. You can go rewrite the book, publish another book, take your concepts, teach a course, do a podcast, all those things. But they may own the rights to uh, produce your audio. They may not. 11 years they ago, do. it may not be in your I, contract. I okay. they do. They also owned the second book. And okay, yeah. I, I had the world's worst experience with McGraw-Hill. I have not a single nice thing to say about them. Not a single. And I'm a Christian, Michelle, and I try to be nice. And I've tried for 11 years to think of one nice thing to say, and I have come up with nothing. Um, I'm sorry ah, to hear that. It's not your problem. It's my problem. But anyway, here's the, the thing I did. So I sent them a book that I knew they wouldn't publish. And they said no, and then I got out of the contract because now my absolutely second, my second book was offered to them. They said no, and so now I can f you them, you know. Yeah, is that the radio and podcast marketing? No, I is that different? I see that. I, I see that one too. A guy uh, who broke into the CIA and the FBI uh, computer systems wanted to write a book on ethical hacking, and oh, I just seen an article uh, on ethical hacking. 
and a McGraw-Hill person had said, we've already published a book on that. We're done in that space. And I was like, Right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, good. So here's the thing. You might, so here we, I'm going to do some like live coaching, author coaching here. You may be able to get out of that audio if you want to do it yourself. Right. Or I would push for them to do it because the audios, here's, here's an interesting fact you may not know, Jim. Most people who read nonfiction books buy more than one. If they like the book, they'll buy the second uh, way to consume it. So they'll buy ebook and then audio. They'll buy the audio and then buy the paperback. I have it's nine really copies of the White Album. I have an LP, I have There's- a CD, I have a digital <laughs> copy. Every time they produce a new version, I buy the damn thing. I don't know why. Are you just proving, are you just proving my point? Yeah, I'm just trying to <laughs> make you look smart. <laughs> so I would push them to either give up the audio rights, which they may do with just an email, or push them to produce the audiobook. Well, see, I want to produce a whole new book that I don't have two co-authors on, and then, sure. so I get a hundred percent, and then do the audiobook myself and get a hundred percent of that too. So, yeah, and for people listening, that hundred percent because you know better, but just for people listening, that hundred percent is never a hundred percent. There's always middlemen. There's always middle people. There's distributors. There's printing costs. There's marketing people. There's so even if you go print in your local print store and sell them out of the back of your car, you're going to have costs of goods in there, right? So yeah, I just would say for anyone 100% listening, with the co-authors, I don't want to share with them. Yeah, right, right, right. But people always come to me and say, so how come, you know, I'm not getting, if I sell the book for 10 bucks, how come I'm not getting 10 bucks, right? Well, so I just want to remind everybody. <laughs> so it's called cost of goods, people. All right. Do you know the joke, Michelle, about the guy who died? And he had written a book and his son was giving the eulogy and he's talking about how proud he was of his dad and in his seventies, he had written this book and for the next 10 years, he sold it out of the back of his car. And unfortunately we still have 4,000 copies left and they're all piled up at the back of the funeral house. Please take some with you when you go, please. We don't want them. You know, uh, I hate selling. That doesn't sound like a joke. Yeah, and that doesn't sound like a joke. It's a real life story, <laughs> but, actually. I know the guy. Yeah, yeah, but you know, there's a lot of ways to sell a book, and I have known people who've done cookbooks who've rocked it at farmers markets. Oh yeah, like sold tens and of thousands and tens of thousands of books that just uh, working through people who have booths at farmers markets. There's not. It's not only Amazon. There are yeah. a lot of ways to sell a book. I have a friend whose wife, he's a two-star general, and his wife wrote a book on how to be married to an army officer. And she sold 400,000 yep. copies of that book. Whoa. Good for her. She, she, she tapped into that niche somehow. She got on it. Yes. Good well, her, her husband was a two-star general, so I think that helped. Absolutely. Yeah. Good for her, though. She's still got to market it, get it out there, but good for her. Yes. So Grace Point, is it a normal model where I sign and then you get most of them? You're laughing. I read somewhere that it's a collaborative There's no normal anymore. There's no normal anymore. So what is your model? How much of my money are you going to take? yeah, there's just options. So we are going to take some of your money. It you depends. Some. Um, yeah, so we're going to charge for editing, and we might charge for publishing, and then we'll do some kind of royalty split. So it the truth of the matter is, to get a book edited and published, it's going to cost somebody between ten and fifteen k. So if you're a good writer, you can do it for less. If you are a good editor or you know an editor, you might be able to do it for less, right? But I don't want people listening to think they can just, well, you said, you know, if people just put out a book that's not the greatest writing, you'd still rather read it. I would like to say we want to take that book and help it be the best that it can be. So we like to put money into editing. The more you send us, the more royalty you get. So we kind of have a sliding scale. The other thing we do is we will just 
consult with you or help you self-publish, hire your own editor, and sort of act in the background to make sure you don't make really bad mistakes and send you on your way. And then, as you say, you keep 100%. So there's different, we work different ways. I work a lot of different ways with authors. I We do have sort of a, a standard coaching consulting program. That's the author path I mentioned earlier. But for someone who's building a business, building a maybe using a book as a lead gen or to build a foundation so they can get speaking gigs or to get high-end clients. We want that book to be the very best it can be. You want to hear my editing with McGraw-Hill? You want to hear what I did there? Uh, Yeah, I do. I'm already cringing, but yes. Well, I don't think you're going to cringe. I think you'll like it. They sent me the oh. edited thing and said, we, you have 48 hours to respond and make any changes and let us know what you think. And I immediately okay. hit, hit accepted as is. I'm not even going to read the damn thing. You edited it professionally. I assume that it's better than what I had. We're done. Wow. Good for you. Is that mature? Um, it's- or stupid? It depends how good the writing was to start with. So since they took the book and they edited it, I'm presuming that that was a really good decision on your part. We do get some people, though, who can't really write very well. And we would say, we need to go back and forth a couple times. We don't know what you mean by this paragraph. This paragraph isn't clear. Sounds like you had gotten past that stage. Yeah, we're not in that stage. And you had a pretty, you, you had a pretty clear book. There are some people who, you know, we'll get a chapter that's out of place and we'll say, hey, we want to move this chapter and rewrite this last paragraph because it just doesn't make sense to us. And that's where working collaboratively with your editor or maybe even a ghostwriter can take your thoughts out of your head and really put a good book together. I, I am presuming you're a pretty good writer to be accepted by McGraw anyway and to be able to have edits that were like, just go. Uh, I don't know. One of the co-authors, David Beasley, wrote for... Bloomberg for 30 years. There you go. Yeah. uh, And he went through the whole thing before we sent it to them. What about just throwing the whole damn thing through chat GPT? They do a pretty good job. I've tried that. It wasn't bad. Well, there's a couple things. There's a couple things. Amazon is looking at this point at all of the work that comes in and flagging it if it looks to be GPT chat. Okay, but I wrote it. I wrote 95% of it and then had chat GPT edit and proofread for me. Okay, Amazon will accept that, but you have to say that you used AI as part of your editing. Okay. So you have to disclose that. So we've been in a lot of meetings with copyright office and big publishing houses that are looking at all the legalities of this. I think the, I think uh, we don't know enough quite yet. I think a lot of books that got published on Amazon the last year are going to come down because they're very poorly written and they just sound like AI wrote them. Yep. I've seen a couple of those. Well, Michelle, I just looked at the time. We have blown through. We we have. It's so fun to be with you. How do we find out more about you, follow you online, get in touch, all that, please? The easiest thing is the authorpath.com. It's the easiest way to find me. It's easy to spell better than my name, the authorpath.com. The authorpath. The T-H-E, authorpath. Yep. Thank you. Michelle, great stuff. Thank you so much for being with us. And uh, happy December 1st. Uh, Happy holidays, too. You're the first person I got to say that to. Awesome. Thank you. And we're out of time, but you know what we do? That's right. We come back tomorrow. Be safe, everyone. Take care. Go make a million dollars. Bye now. And write a book.